We are continuing on in our series in this new year called From Here to There, and it's that idea that we are somewhere right now, and we have this sense of where we'd like to be down the road. And we started a couple weeks ago by asking that question, who do I want to be, say, five years from now? And even more importantly, who does God want me to be and become five years from now? And if that is this picture that we have in our mind, is that where we're actually going? Is the picture of who you want to be where you're going right now? Because if it isn't, then it's time to get off that train because that destination is no good. It's a dead end. It might be a cliff. Two weeks ago, we looked at the question, why is it so hard to get there? And one of the things that conclusions we made was that we all suffer from the problem of inertia, that where we are right now, especially when we're not moving, it's really easy to stay in that place. But inertia is kind of that double-edged sword where uh, we said Newton's law and of motion, the one that says a body at rest tends to what? Stay at rest, but a body in motion tends to stay in motion, assuming we don't have any other variables in the way. Last week, Pastor Karen actually led us through and tackled one of the harder questions, which is how do we start to get there? And she focused on the idea of setting SMART goals. Who remembers what SMART stands for? This is a 10. Specific? Measurable? Achievable? Realistic? Relevant? Yeah? Timely, time-based or timely. And I know a lot of different... Good job. Wow, that is a great... Well, and a lot of different fields use SMART goals and kind of, you know, that idea that if we want to actually start moving from here to there, we do have to set some goals. Now, one of the things that came out from that is that we tend to underestimate what we can do in the long term, but we overestimate what we can do in the short term. You know, one of my goals has been to lose a significant amount of weight for a while in too short of a time. Do I need new batteries? Okay, you can, we'll do that in a minute, all right? And I probably need a longer time frame if I really want to be able to realistically achieve that goal. But one of the things Karen said last week really struck a chord with me. She said um, this profound statement that in the end, we must simply set goals and go. That at the end of the day, if we don't do any of that, then we're never going to actually move from where we are. Set goals and go. So this week comes another question that can derail us if we're not careful. It's the when question. When do we get to there? Or when am I going to make the changes in my life that are going to enable me to become the person that God wants me to be? Because let's be honest. We want to move without having to work too hard. We want to move in a way that it's quick, that there's a quick process. We want to move in a way where certainly there's no pain. And we know that in life, that's rarely the case. So what is the answer to when will we get to there? 
Okay, I have, I found a clip that perfectly answers this question. Now you're gonna have to pay attention because it's only about 3.92 seconds, I timed it out. Actually, that's what it said, okay? We might have to do it two times just for you to, to really understand the answer to this question of when do we get to there? Are we there yet? We get there when we get there. Are we there yet? We get there when we get there. All you parents especially, you know the answer to that question. We get there when we get there. We get there when we get there. I remember my dad saying that too, a few times. Are we there yet? No, we'll be there when we get there. Come on, Dad. We'll get there when we get there. And if we're honest, much of the time we feel like answering that way. That we don't have any sense of time or we're maybe too scared to actually start moving and we're perfectly happy. We think we are just kind of staying where we are. And there's no incentive for us to move. And we say things like, well, when is when going to be now? Those of you that know Spaceballs kind of understand or have seen that movie. When is when now? When will when be now? And the answer, soon. It's a way for us to kind of deflect the time frame. In fact, you can even buy a t-shirt nowadays for the answer to that question. I found this as well. Um, you can join the sloth hiking team. We will get there when we get there. And isn't that a satisfying answer to that question? We'll get there when we get there. Okay, that's fun. But when on earth are we going to find time in our lives to take these steps closer to where God wants us to be? Because at the end of the day, if we are not moving, we're actually declining or we're moving backwards without even realizing it. If we're not moving forward, we are not making progress. When will we take the time to become who God desires us to be? Now, when you think of a day, how many hours are in our day? 24 little hours. We often think of it as starting the moment. When does your day start? Anyone have a quarter to six? Quarter to six. That's how we view a day. When the moment the feet hit the floor, or if you roll out of bed, the moment you hit the floor yourself. Or the moment when that first cup of coffee hits your system, you know. So maybe you've actually been up for a few hours, but your day hasn't really started until that first hit of caffeine kind of hits your bloodstream. And for many of us, our daylight hours are already assigned and spoken for. We have actually very little control over that nine to five as Dolly Parton sang, working nine to five. She wasn't wrong. But what she is, essence in that song, she's talking about how those hours can often be a drag. Those are the hours that we have some of the least control of in our lives, at least for a significant portion of our life. Jobs, school, keeping your children alive, groceries, dentist, DMV, gas station, going back to the DMV for another piece of information that you forgot the first time, commuting, going to the post office, and then finding another line to stand in. All of those things have to be done during business hours, waiting for the gas company between the hours of nine and four. 
we know that life is craziest in that block or chunk of time. It's where most everything in our life has to fit. I don't know if you feel that, but sometimes you have to take a day off from whatever else you normally do just to get some of those things done during the day. This is the time of the here that is least flexible. It's messy, it's dirty, it's chaotic, it can, it's full of unpredictable things that happen when you wake up in the morning. You never know what is going to happen in those next 10 hours or 12 hours or 14 hours. This time is not optimal. It's not optimal for when you will be able to get to the there that is in your mind right now. That's the bad news. But there's a good news to come. There's a phrase that shows up in the Bible that I think can help us to see more of how God sees each day and how God actually sees time itself. And it's this phrase, from evening to morning. Now, obviously, back in the days of when the Bible was written, this had a slightly different connotation from evening to morning. Let me read a couple of verses. The first from Exodus 16. This is the Israelites, and they have started to wander in the desert, and they are running out of food, and they start to do what? They start to whine and complain. They grumble. And this is what it says in Exodus 16. In the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. What happened? That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. Meat in the evening, manna in the morning. Artisanal meat in the evening, little quails, crispy cream in the morning. Because you know those flakes of dew said they tasted like honey. And I saw a Krispy Kreme restaurant, or I don't, it's not a restaurant, it's a, a donut shop, yeah. I suppose it's a restaurant to some people. But, and I had this sudden craving because I had been thinking about manna and reading this, and I suddenly had a craving for a donut. It's, it's the weirdest thing because I don't really like donuts that much except for on Sundays. All right? Meat in the evening, manna in the morning. And God provided for his people time and time again this natural rhythm. It was a chance for them to receive from the Lord, reflect on who he was and what he had done for them, to be renewed and recharged for the day to come. The Israelites were no different than you or I in the sense that their days were full of all of the stuff that we typically have to do as well to survive. They had to work. They had to eat. They had to travel. All those things. They had the camel DMV. I heard that. (laughs) Psalm 90 says this. This is how God views a day and time. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. This writer describes 
the, an entire lifetime as like a day. In the morning, it flourishes and grows. In the evening, it is parched. And in fact, for four, about 40 times in the Bible, this phrase, from evening to morning, these two words kind of show up in the same verse. In fact, this is how the very Bible begins in the first verses of Genesis. Genesis 1, if you turn all the way back to the beginning of your Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. The evening and the morning were the first day. It's the complete opposite of how we view a day, that a day starts right when I open my eyes. In fact, for, people, for Jewish folks, their day began at sunset. From sunset to sunset. So ironically, one of the first things they do at sunset was to eat. Perhaps there would be worship. They would have conversation with people. And then... Lo, lo and behold, what do you think they did? They went to bed. And then they wake, woke up, hopefully recharged for the rest of their day. Other ancient groups did this as well. When we start to think about evening as the first part of our day, and I know this is a radical shift for most of us. I think of my day like this morning. My day was 4.12 a.m. That's when the Lord woke me up about 40 minutes before I normally get up on a Sunday. And I was trying to, th that, that did not feel like a very good start to the day. When we start to think of evening as that first part of our day, it kind of reframes everything. The whole rest of the day actually is what follows from evening to morning. That's the chunk of time I want to focus on. Why? Because I think it's the chunk of time from that time that you are done with the your primary responsibilities during the daylight hours until the time you arise from bed the following morning. That is the time that you have the most say in what happens, the most potential influence. When I was working cleaning carpets from 8.30 in the morning until 6, I had no say over those hours other than maybe what the break time was that my boss told me about. But the other time, especially when I was younger, that was time that I had a little more flexibility with. I believe that it's that chunk of time, and for some of you it's going to be a lot smaller than others, that probably holds the most promise for when you can start to take meaningful steps to get to there, that vision of who God wants you to be down the road. Studies have shown that in daily jobs across many different fields, when you start and end a day well, it can actually make the rest of the day, even if it's a bunch of garbage in the middle, it can turn the rest of the day into an okay day. Maybe even a great day if you start and end really well. In other words, I believe one of our keys is how we anchor the start and the end. How do you anchor the start and end of your day? Because often that will determine a lot of what happens and your attitude and outlook no matter what happens. 
You could have the hardest things happen in the middle of the day, those things that you have no control over. But if you start the day well and you end the day well, you have at least a greater or fighting shot to make it a great day, or at least a more tolerable day. Because let's be honest, sometimes life stinks on a particular day. So if we took that idea of starting and ending well and applied it to that idea that the evening time is the start of your day, how would you want to start your day well? And I'm open to ideas because I want us to crowdsource or church source some of our learning today. How, what would be a good start or an anchor point for you to start your day well in the evening. Time alone with God praying, with God praying okay? That would, that would really help you anchor the next 24 hours. Okay. What else? Other ideas? A good meal. And hopefully a good meal shared with good people. Made by somebody else. Made by somebody else, okay. <laughs> Okay, since, since we're being honest here, okay. And the kids clean the kitchen. The the kitchen. Okay, all right. We're, being, we're having confessional right now, okay? Anything else? What would, how would you have a great start? Exercise. I know uh, I see this gentleman in our neighborhood. He usually takes a little evening walk. Just kind of up and down the street, that's it. You know, sometimes it's just a walk around the block. Some of you walk your dogs. Or your cats walk you. However you would have a great start to continue your day in the evening and in the morning, I want to encourage you to start exploring this idea of making those times the anchor points for the rest of your day, for that 24 hours. And then in the middle, those hours that you have the least control over, give it your best shot. Do the best that you can. I remember even in some of my most stressful days and I would come home and it was a rough day and Rebecca would ask me a question sometimes. She'd just say, did you do your best? And some days I could say, yeah, I did my best. And she's like, well, then what are you complaining about? You did your best. And there were other days where I had to be honest and say, you know what? I don't think I did my best today, but I can try again tomorrow. When we give it our best for all the rest, even if those other hours are thankless, hard, tiring, or it all goes sideways, setting those key anchor points in the day can keep us centered and remaining hopeful in the days to come. Now, I know that there are lots of ways that we can do this. I'm going to just jumpstart us with two groundbreaking revolutionary, I mean, I read scripture and it's like no one had ever thought of these ideas before and I really feel like I need to share them with you today. These are gonna be things that you'll just be like, wow, how did you do that? Coming up with these two ideas, how we can set better anchors. Number one, get sleep. Isn't that groundbreaking? Get sleep. Or if you want to like massage it a little bit, I need to get the rest that I need. You can use the word rest if you want to. One of our first jobs in setting an anchor point for each day is sleep. Do we need sleep? 
What do, what do the medical studies say about sleep? Does it have any benefits? You can die without sleep. Now, obviously, if people have medical conditions and they have, you know, different things going on, yes, sleep can be very difficult. Let me read a couple verses. Because we have to see sleep as a responsibility that we have to get the rest we need. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. It had been a while since I'd actually asked God for sleep. And last night I was having some trouble sleeping, which is really ironic, but I'm sure it was on purpose. And for the first time in a while, I actually asked God, Lord, please grant me sleep tonight. And for about three hours, it was good. Way less than I know I need. Psalm 4.8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. It's the Lord who protects us as we sleep. I've talked with Rebecca um, a lot about sleep because sleep is one of those things that with some of her health has made it difficult at times. And I know some of you have issues with insomnia and other medical conditions. But there are times where she'll wake up and she'll say, wow, that was one of the best sleeps I've ever had. It was like restoring, healing renewing, rejuvenating sleep, the kind of sleep where God is doing his work in your body and you just, it's like one of those rare moments for some people. Do you, do you have an experience like that? Yeah. Yeah, the, the brain requires rest. It's how God actually created us, especially after we sinned. No matter how great you are, no matter how productive you desire to be, no matter how spiritually far you want to go, no matter how much you want to change the world, the chance to grow and move there becomes derailed the moment we deprioritize rest. I think sometimes in the church we feel guilty for resting. I know I have at times, and I see some nods, so I know some of you feel the same way. But in our world today, it is harder than ever. You want to know who I blame? I blame Edison. (laughs) I blame Edison. Look at that face. That is the face that has caused you to get horrible sleep, all because of this. On New Year's Eve of 1879, That man flipped a switch and changed the world forever. Now, obviously I'm being a little facetious about that. Yes, there are many things that what Edison did have had a positive influence. But the ability to keep my light on until 2 a.m. is not one of them. No matter how much I say, ooh, I just got to go one more chapter. But I'm going to pay for it the next day. Thomas Edison changed life forever. So that suddenly, instead of a candle, I think he hated the Yankee Candle Company or or something. He was anti-candle. That suddenly, at a touch, a flip, a click of a switch, and later on, 
a clap, let there be light at all hours of the night, instead of doing what we were designed to do. Alexa, turn on the lights. Now, we can, go, we can blame a lot of other people other than Edison. You know, we can blame the, the blue screens and everything. But today, with our modern bulbs and screens, do you know that the average working adult gets six hours and 51 minutes, if you are lucky? For those of you with small children, I hazard it's probably less than that at times. Those of you that have a snoring person in your life, it might be less as well. Do you know before this, the average amount of sleep that the person, an average adult got? Just in this country. Anyone have a guess? 10 hours? 12 hours? 8 hours? That's about 10 hours on average. And do you know that even today, some of the most highly influential, world-changing, productive people in the world, the average amount of sleep that they get is 8 hours and 21 minutes That's way more than I usually get. And these are people that are out there working hard all the time. And I think, wow, I can't sleep. I've got to be more productive. We've given away 30% of the time we used to rest and be restored each day. How's that working out? Rest can be healing, restoring, renewing, rejuvenating. As we said, it's necessary for survival and thriving. We don't have to go into all the research. You can go online and read it. You can read about the effects of nighttime blue screens. One of the ideas I came across this week that I would just throw out was the idea of putting our devices to bed as well, having a device bedtime, that having blue light in your bedroom is one of the worst things possible. And I know we're all guilty. You know, We have this device in our pocket that is actually destroying our life and our ability to get quality of sleep, no matter how much we love it. Thank you, Ray. Let's face it, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, no one wants to get close to you when you haven't had enough sleep. You don't want to get close to you when you haven't had enough sleep. Tired, irritable, moody, isn't that a great combo? What are some of the ways that you could work to get sleep? Again, I said we're church sourcing some of our learning today. What would be some ways that you could actually work to get more sleep in your life? Turn the TV off. Is the TV helping you get to there? No. Maybe at times. What? Have a bedtime ritual. If I'm up watching UFC fighters pound each other and then trying to fall asleep two minutes later, chances are my brain is still on overload. Not that I do that, but if I would. What? Motion or rain sounds. Ocean or rain sounds, sounds. yeah. Like a white noise machine type of deal. Yeah. To make your your kids go to bed early would actually help facilitate your own sleep cycle. Yes, what did, you had your hand up. Make sure your phone is dead. Yes, use it up during the day so you can't, so you're not tempted at night. Okay, your mom had a set bedtime, 7.30. That's when we had two or three channels. It's a little, yeah. Okay, so we already know, just based on your comments, there are a lot of things we could do, will we choose to do, for the sake 
of helping us get to there. Bottom line is that when we don't sleep, little else functions well, get sleep. The second, this is equally groundbreaking, earth-shattering. By the way, I did not come up with this at all. And this is not about the San Francisco 49ers. The second thing that we need to do, go deep. Get sleep, go deep. Not in the wide receiver mentality, although apparently with the 49ers we wouldn't know what that's like because they don't seem to do that very much. But we need to be able to go deep. And there are lots of ways that we can go deep. Here are just a couple of, I have three blanks on there. We'll just highlight three brief categories for ways that we can go deep. But I would argue that the first category is the most important of all for people of faith. Go deep spiritually. That if we are not taking the time apart from Sunday, we are living in a desert just like the Israelites the rest of the week. Now, going deep spiritually is not about you know, spending hours and hours. If you want to spend hours and hours, if that is works in your life, wonderful. Praise the Lord. But I would hazard for most people, that's not the reality that we live with. How are you going to go deep spiritually? This is perhaps the one category, the one way that will sharpen you the most and allow you to go deep in so many other ways. Psalm 46.10, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible, says, Be still and know what? That I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. If that was the one verse that you repeated almost as a mantra, even before going to sleep, and then listened for what God had to say, that one verse alone might have the power to change everything for you. See, most of our day is about movement. It's loud and exhausting. You know it and I know it beginning with that spiritual anchor to carry you through the rest of the day is perhaps the greatest step you can take this day, this week, this month, this year. Everything else could fall to the wayside, but if you're not prepared to go deep spiritually and to find ways that work for you in the season of life for which you find yourself, then you will wither and dry out just like that grass. One of the things that I love about going deep spiritually, is that even if it's a verse, it doesn't have to be reading 10 chapters, it could be reading one verse, is that that percolates in your brain throughout the day. It's one of the reasons why people you know, do things like morning devotions or they listen to a podcast or the Bible on their way to work or something like that. That percolates in your brain all day so that as that annoying person, it's really hard to get mad at that person cutting you off in the lane when you're hearing the person on the podcast read the Bible and say, do not, you know, do not give in to anger and things like that. It's a lot harder to get angry when you're listening to the Bible. It's a lot harder when you've got that percolating in your brain when that coworker is just annoying you or that person at school is just driving the, you know, just making you get all tense. Spiritual growth, whatever that is, whatever season that is, that will percolate around in you even as you're at work and the machinery is humming or your children are crying and the drivers are screaming and meetings run long and your car breaks down and your phone call disrupts all of your plans and your lawnmower breaks or whatever it is for you. 
Go deep spiritually. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And going deep spiritually is the sole thing that will help renew your mind. All of the other ways that you can renew your mind will come out of that. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now maybe you're sitting there saying, because this is what I would have said a while back to, yeah, but my commute, my kids, my dog. And yes, those are all legitimate time needs. But I've also found that mindless scrolling for 15 minutes through social media just before bed isn't really helpful. What if we replaced that time by calming our minds to listen to God? Or what if I went to bed and then chose to wake up 15 minutes earlier before the cares of the day press in and I just spent that few moments or minutes with God? You know that when God woke me up early this morning, I actually tried it because I, I knew that I better practice what I'm going to say this morning. And at first, I wasn't happy to be woken up early. But then I pulled out this devotion book that I have called New Morning Mercies. I think that's the title. And it was all about the parable of the unforgiving steward, the unforgiving servant, about how he wanted to receive mercy but didn't want to give mercy. And that has been percolating through my brain all morning. And that was just in about seven minutes. I don't know when the best when for you to go deep spiritually is. Maybe it's right before your sleep or when you rise or some other time. But I do know that a deep spiritual relationship is necessary if we want to get to that vision of there, that place where God wants us to be. That's the first one. Second, go deep physically. And I mean this in an appropriate way, whether it's building up your body, doing one push-up, walking the dog around the block, engaging in breathing just before you go to bed. I know my wife has found that very calming. We should want to go deep in this way because we were created with bodies by God, created by a creator God. Now, it is a tricky one when we say go deep physically because we are all different and what is good and healthy for you may not be good and healthy for someone else. It is never a competition about being the most active or doing the most. It's about setting those goals, as Pastor Karen said last week, that are most appropriate for where you are at right now. Some of you already have deeply physical days, whether it's the job that you're in, whether it's you know, as a parent or some other form. So going deep physically for you might be about rest as well. What are some of the ways that you have sought to nourish your body in different seasons? Remember, this has worked for you, but maybe it, and maybe it helps someone else and maybe not. What are some ways that have worked for you to go deep physically, being aware of your body? Just one or two. When you, when you switch to swing shift, which is not your preferred shift, it allows you to go to the gym in the morning with your wife. Okay. So even though it's, it's a less ideal situation for you, it's allowed you to do something different in a better way. Okay. That's a great, that's a great example. What else? Amy. I do a lot of 
Wonderful. And actually, that, that is a wonderful way, kind of that mindfulness of, you know, thinking about our body from the tip of your toes to the top of your head. That's actually a way to help you go to sleep better as well. Maybe one more. What's helped you go deep physically? Al. Oh, a heated mattress pad. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nice. Especially on these cool evenings. Were you going to offer one more? You know, getting down on the floor and stretching. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Our kids, they, they know this. They actually are, are better models for us, especially as we get older. They know how to acknowledge their bodies, although not always in completely... Yeah. yeah. So stretching, that was another way. Okay, the, the idea, you get the point. There's lots of different ideas. Romans 12.1 says, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Friends, find the natural rhythm that God has created in you. When you are in tune with your body and you're in tune spiritually, everything else seems to work. Last one, go deep creatively. We already said that God made us in his image. We were created by a creator God to be creative. And there's tons of verses that talk about the creative work that God has given us to do. I'm going to just point out a couple examples. Exodus 35, when he raised up several craftspeople in the building of his temple, he says, God has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. So I ask you again the question, what are some ways that you have sought to nourish the creativity that God made you with? Because we know that it's those creative things that can really inspire us to keep moving or to move in the first place. How has God worked in your life to help you go deep creatively? Nina. Crocheting prayer blankets. Cool. So he's, you have some skill in, in crocheting and knitting, and you've been able to go deep creatively in that way. Cool. Yeah. Having a creative project, it can help kind of snap us out of, you know, the pattern that we might have been in and into a new pattern. Awesome. How has God inspired you to go deep creatively? This is hard for some of you to think even beyond art. Creative is so much broader of a word. Journaling, okay. Yep. I know that for a couple of people in my life, um, one of the guys that I knew, he was so skilled with fixing up cars. And actually, he, wa- 
God, he was good with engines, and he knew he was actually a pilot, and he got a lot of joy out of doing this work. And then he learned, actually, that he could use some of those skills to connect with other people. And he ended up joining Missionary Aviation Fellowship as a pilot. He never thought that God would ever, that that could ever lead to anything. And this is just a guy that liked engines. I thought that was so cool. And I met him while he was just fixing something. And we got to talking. So God used his creativity to draw us together. And I was able to hear his story. And God, I know, has done that for some of you as well. I want to end with this verse, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's handiwork. Get sleep. Go deep. It's going to take some of you really small baby steps to start on this process. Know that you never create time, you just rearrange the time that you are given. We all have the same time, 86,400 seconds. No more, no less. I know that for at least one of us today, the answer to that question, when, is now at least for the first part of this next journey. And I know you don't like to be up front, but I want, I would like Marcy to come up front. And for Marcy, the when of getting to there has come really quickly. And I don't know if you want to say anything in particular, but you shared with me that when you first went to med school, you knew that you wanted to use your gifts in a particular way. And what was that, what was that way? Uh, overseas missions. Overseas missions. Using the particular skills and gifts to serve in a new way. And you said over the last few years, you know, you, that's been kind of in your brain and you've been thinking about it, and it's just recently that you kind of had that sort of jump start out of the inertia that you had been in. Yeah. And what was that change that happened for you that made, made you think now is the time? Like, like specific? Okay, well, I mean, I know we just said that Facebook's a bad thing, but it can also be something that God uses in our lives. And I'm a member of this Facebook group for doctors, and someone had just posted, you know, I work with these refugees in, in Thailand, and I need someone to cover our clinic. And I reached out to her, and she was like, great, can you start in February? And, you know, I kind of was like, no, <laughs> that's really soon. I, you know, I, it sounds like a lot, and, but at the same time I was saying, you know, this is what you know that you have been called to do. This is what you are supposed to be doing with your life, and maybe you just need someone to give you a deadline and go, because <laughs> otherwise it, I did get inertia and I stay and just kind of keep going with my life the way it is. So, yeah. Uh, that's, that's what happened. And, yeah, talk about coming about quickly. For, for a lot of people, this is really quick. You know, for most people, it happens a lot slower where we, we hear God's voice calling us in a certain direction. But we want to acknowledge that uh, Marcy has heard God's call, and we want, she's been such an amazing blessing to our church. 
I know we have all those kids. I want our kids to come up because what we want to do is we want to surround Miss Marcy, Dr. Marcy, and we want to pray for her because one of our jobs as a church is to send her with God's blessing. I'm going to make some space because our kids know how to go deep physically. They know how to move their bodies. We know that's true. So come right up to Miss Marcy, okay? And so we've been talking in Kids Zone, so you all know what's going on too. We've been talking in Kids Zone about the Lord's Prayer. And some of the things that we've learned are that when we pray, we are praying as part of a people. We belong to a family. And so we've been talking about how when we pray to God, we're not just praying for ourselves, but for all the people who are our family. Today we talked about the part of the prayer that says, um, your will be done, your, king, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about how God's kingdom is where everybody does what's best for everybody all the time. And so Dr. Marcy has a chance to kind of go as one of us, part of our body, to do what's good for some people who need some good, specifically children who are underserved. And so we talk to our kids about what it means to put your hands on somebody when we pray for them and we're sending a piece of ourselves with them when they go as a part of our body. So as we pray, uh, I think Pastor Steve is going to invite other people up as well. Yeah, Come up and kind of uh, surround our kids and Marcy in this moment. We want to pray for her. Um, you're going to be going to Thailand for four months, and then you will be going to Chicago for a one-year a chance to grow your skills some more so that you can then go back out. Hopefully, that's, that's, the, that's, the, next there, that's the next long-term there for you. So if, if we have a few other people that would come on up. Hi there, little guy. Yeah, you can help too. And um, Pastor Amy, would you like to, I'll open, and if anyone else wants to say anything, and then you can close. Okay. So kids on, I'll give you a chance after, after Pastor Steve prays. I'll ask if anybody else wants to pray. You don't have to, but you can if you want to. You can say a special prayer for Dr. Marcy. Okay? All right. Are you ready to pray? God, we thank you for Dr. Marcy. We thank you for all of the ways that you have made her uh, into the person that she is, uh, a special person. We, we thank you for the ways that she has uh, helped all of our kids so much and taught them well and uh, been a loving presence in their life. And we also thank you, Lord, that she has listened to your voice in her life and now she is planning to go to another place in the world to help kids that desperately need help as well. And we are grateful for that. Marcy, you please help her, and please help the people that she's going to help. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Um, dear God, please let Dr. Marcy help lots of people and make sure she finds a good place to stay while she is helping them. Amen. And she has a good time. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Um, 
do thank you so much for Dr. Marcy. We thank you for her heart. We thank you for how she has poured her life and her joy into our kids. We thank you that they know that they are loved by her. We pray now we send her with our blessing. Yes, Lord. God, knowing that she has touched our hearts, that she will touch the hearts of so many more children. And we are thankful right now for all of the people whose lives she will change. Thank you for the power of your spirit that indwells her, that empowers her to do what you have called and gifted her to do, what you have prepared for her to do in advance. Lord, would you go before her and behind her, hem her in with your presence, with your peace and your strength, and above all, Lord, with your compassion and grace. We pray all of these things in the name of the one who came for us. And everybody who agreed said, Amen. 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 We also, Dr. Marcy, we know you can't take lots of things with you. So, Sam, would you move your back? So, we got something for you that maybe you can wear sometimes to remind you that you are coming from a group of people who love you very much to go and do the work of God. You can unwrap it, yes. <laughs> Friends, thank you for all of you who helped uh, make this a great day. Uh, we want to continue our time of worship, and um, following our closing song, I will pray for the food that we'll be able to receive, and then uh, we will be dismissed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord grant you his peace now and forever, O church. Amen.